Welcome back to Pointed Insanity Game Studios, Geekery in General podcast. Our last few episodes have been fairly long, so this episode is going to be more of a mini episode, uh, a little shorter than some of the other episodes we've done. Today we're going to discuss the topic of anime, Japanese animation, and some of our earliest memories of it, as well as uh, some of the series we've followed. So, so Steve. Yeah. Let's start with the first question. What was your first experience with Japanese animation? Well, it comes to what I thought was Japanese animation or what I thought was a cartoon then came to realize it was actually Japanimation. Because technically, if I go by the rules... My first instance to Japanese animation was Robotech and Voltron. Yep, same here. Uh, those were two of my favorite series when I was a kid. And actually, so now the, with Robotech, uh, there were, of course, the three uh, stories in there. The first one, I think, was just called, wasn't like Super Dimension Fortress Macross. Yeah, because it merged uh, the two concepts and then into one. Yeah, and then, of course, there was the second one, which was, I think, Southern Cross. And then the, was that, or no, what was the name of the second one? Was it, and because the, the third one, I think, was a new generation. Yeah, and the fourth one was Shadow Chronicles. Yeah, and one that, one thing that actually amazed me, uh, and I just found this out recently, listened to another podcast where they did an episode entirely on Robotech. Now, did you know that the three Robotech series we watched as a kid were actually not all Robotech? That there were actually three separate series that, when they were dubbed for uh, for English, were actually all made into Robotech. Yeah, were you aware of that? Well, now that I've been looking up uh, more into Robotech, yeah, I've been learning new things out. Yeah, because the which of the so with Robotech, which of the three generations were your favorite? Uh, it would have to be the first one, followed by the last one, and then the third one. Of course, if that's if we're talking about the three, don't forget it's now technically four. Yeah, because you mentioned the Shadow Chronicles. Unfortunately, I have not. I haven't really followed Robotech in so long. I've never seen the fourth one. I mean, I know actually you. I believe Azu, you got you got me uh, a tape. A, it was like a three or four part series. I don't remember the name of it, but um, again, it was a Robotech one. The main enemy was, I believe, was called the Marduk. Yeah, something like that. But but yeah, like I said, I I think my first one. I actually liked the third series, uh, the best of the three. Uh, the original, the first series, I think would be my se- a cl- very close second. And yeah, for so- I think I'm in agreement with you. The second one, it wasn't bad, but for some reason, I just didn't really get into it. Uh, I'm not sure if it was the characters or the storytelling or now correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't the second one focus mostly on like tank combat as opposed to uh, jet combat? Yes. Yeah, and that's where, like I said, I think the first one I really got hooked into the whole uh, spaceship, uh, new jet fighter combat. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I was like, I always wanted a Veritech, um, which is probably why one of my favorite 
uh, Transformers toys I had was the G Generation 1 Jetfire. Uh, <laughs> now, for those of you who don't know, and okay, gee, I'm going to go off topic. Steve, has that ever happened before? We, we seem to do that a lot. Yep. This is kind of relevant. Um, now, again, for any of you who are uh, Transformers fans as well as uh, Robotech fans, uh, if you were, or if you ever were curious about why the toy was called Jetfire, but the the actual character in the cartoon series was called Skyfire, the reason is originally I believe it was Takara had licensed the right to use the Jetfire mold. Um, I think it was from Bandai because uh, they I believe they had the rights to, and I might be wrong. I, I admit. Uh, they ha I believe they had the rights to the Robotech toy line. Um, so they created the, uh, basically took the mold for uh, one of the Veritech fighters and, you know, of course, added Autobot stickers to it and made the Jetfire toy. And there are actually some variants of the Jetfire toy that do have the Space Defense uh, Forces logo on the wings. But part of, but when the cartoon, when they decided to introduce Jetfire into the cartoon, they realized, well, we don't have, we only have the rights to make this one toy. We don't uh, have the rights to use that, that likeness in the cartoon media. So that's why they had to make all those changes and why the Jetfire uh, became Skyfire because, again, they didn't have the rights to use the same, same likeness. But not only that, they also felt that, well, since this new character isn't really the same as the, you know, the original toy, there's no point in calling it the same name. So that's why they ended up calling it Skyfire. And that's, I, it's very unlikely that they're ever going to reissue the, the G1 uh, Jetfire toy. So that's one of the reasons why, uh, if you ever go to eBay uh, or you know, any place that sells toys secondhand, a G1 jet fighter in good condition will usually go for quite a bit of money. Uh, now, the third generation, another one that you liked, what were some of your favorite, what was your, what are some of the things you liked about the the third uh, Robotech cartoon series? Oh, it has to be the Cyclone motorcycles. Yep, same here. That was another thing where it'd be like, if I ever had one of those in real life, I would be happy. And yep. And for me, it wasn't always necessarily the the tech. I personally liked the characters in the third, in the third one better than the ones in the first and the second. Uh, like one of my favorite, well, who is your favorite character from the, uh, from the third series? Well, it's a toss up between uh, the main male character. Yep, Scott Bernard. Yeah, and then the uh, Invid person that got the first humanoid look okay i forget her name at the moment yeah i don't remember her um i'd have to say my favorite character i always liked ran he was the basically the country boy uh type character so i always thought he was kind of cool uh what about the first uh first series uh the original robotech uh, any particular characters that you really liked in that one uh, i liked roy he, he was that uh, badass. But then I started liking Max. Yeah, and I I liked Rick Hunter. Um, and I think in some ways, 
Uh, now, if any of you are into fanfic, you've probably heard the term Gary, you know, well, Mary, Mary Sue uh, for girls and uh, Gary Stew is usually the equivalent of a, for a boy, but this is the character that the audience is supposed to be able to identify with. And I always thought maybe that's why I always liked Rick Hunter is that, again, he was kind of tossed into this, you know, this world that he didn't fully understand. And from what I remember of the series, he did have quite a bit of, of character development growth where he went from kind of this, you know, naive little flyboy into a very skilled pilot and soldier. And other than the main character in the, the second series, do you remember anyone else from the uh, from this, the Southern Cross series? Well, from what I remember of the, that storyline, it's when uh, the main cast from the first one left to go in deep space. You know, the, Max and uh, Mary, I think her name was, left their daughter on Earth. Mm-hmm. And the next main one was this male character that this uh, captain and his wife left on Earth. Yeah, because that Dana, I think that was her name. Um, but yeah, she's the only character that I really remember from the second one. And uh, again, maybe that's one of the reasons I never really got into it as much as just I couldn't really remember any characters other than her. But uh, moving on, again, as we... At the time, we didn't really know that Robotech was uh, was Japanese animation. What are what would be? Do you remember any other early encounters you had with uh, anime? Uh, well, like I said, uh, for when I was a kid, Voltron was the next mm-hmm. biggest one. Then there was Speed Racer. Yeah, and I. And- oh, go ahead. Sorry. And I think there was one more. I just can't remember the name of the series right now. Yeah, because uh, Speed Racer, I never really got into, never really watched um, as a kid. Uh, Voltron, I did like. And, you know, again, Voltron was one of those interesting ones where there were uh, three t- different Voltron series. But from what I understand, they actually weren't related. Um, they just had little things that tied them together. Uh, and I'm sure most American Voltron fans, of course, remember the classic one with the five lions. Uh, then there was one where there were three robots, and then there was the one that was made up of uh, like 14 or 15 different vehicles. 15 vehicles, yeah. five uh, each category, land, sea, and air. That's that's right. And from what I remember, the way they connected that series to the classic Voltron series is one of the characters in there was related to Pip from... Uh, from the classic Voltron series. So that's, again, those are some of the, two of the cartoon series I finally remember, Voltron and and uh, Robotech. But I didn't really start to get more into anime until I went to Gen Con, back when it was in Milwaukee. Uh, I don't remember what year it was, but I remember there was a, a, a cat, a, a skywalk over the, the, the street there and they had a group that set up a big screen TV and you could watch anime there. And that's where I uh, got into one of my favorite movies, Vampire Hunter D and another series that both of us ended up uh, getting into for a while, 
Rodma one half. And again, let's see if we're on the same page here. Now, Steve, when you first started watching Ranma one half, what was one of the things that you found very memorable about your first encounter with it? Well, what started me into watching that was after you came back from a Gen Con, you were here telling me about this whole series, you know, this show about, you know, it's one guy that turns into a female and stuff. Well, I, when I went to the comic book store a little bit after that, I saw a videotape for that series. So I went and got it, and I'm like, well, I'll give it a try, see how it is. If I don't like it, well, I can always give it to you. And you ended up liking it, because as I recall, you actually had a bigger Ranma collection than I did. I have to say one of my first, one of my uh, memories or one of the things that really kind of shocked me when I first watched it, Nudity. I wasn't used to seeing nudity in a cartoon. Uh, prior to Ranma One Half, the only cartoon I remember seeing nudity in was Heavy Metal, a movie that yeah, it was more orientated to grown-ups at that time. Yeah, and it was. I was sleeping over at uh, my cousin's house, and you know, I think we we caught it on like HBO. Um, late at night, but again, if you ignore uh, the nudity, uh, the movie Heavy Metal does actually have a pretty good story behind it. So that was one of the things that really got me into anime is when I saw it at uh, at Gen Con. Uh, again, Ranma was my uh, series that I did get into. Um, what are some of the things that you liked about Ranma? Well, yeah, the storyline piqued my interest, you know, and I got to say, it was an enjoyable show. Yeah. I'm just saying that it, that it ended. Yeah. And I did like some of the characters. Like I have to say one of my favorite characters early on was Ryoga. And now I'm sure that most of the people listening probably are at least somewhat familiar with Ranma, but in case you aren't, uh, Ryoga is, well, the main character Ranma, uh, he has this rival from back in school named Ryoga, and Ryoga's primary trait is one of his main character traits or flaws, however you want to look at it. He has absolutely no sense of direction. And I remember one of the early episodes, uh, Ranma and was explained to Akane how they got this rivalry going. It was over... Uh, uh, bread feud. Yep, bread at their old high school they went to. So Ryoga challenged uh, Ranma to a fight, and you know Ranma waited in this abandoned lot for three days, and you know Ryoga wasn't able to find it, even though it was right behind his house. Well, that's if you watch the anime. I think the manga had it. It was just down the street. Yeah. In any case, it wasn't that far, and it. it it gave you the, it brought apart this message that, okay, Ryoga, no sense of direction. And one of his, I remember one of his early lines was, don't patronize me. You think I was strolling around Japan for my health? And, you know, it, it, they kind of worked it into some of the later episodes where sometimes he would just kind of show up unexpectedly because he was trying to go somewhere else, but got lost and ended up uh, wherever Ranma was. And even though they were rivals, uh, one of the things I did like about Ryoga is even though him and Ranma were rivals, 
Uh, Ryoga did eventually kind of chill out and you find he is more or less a good natured person. And he has been known to help Ranma when the situation calls for. But other than Ranma, I never got into too many actual series. Uh, what about you? Uh, I got into a few that uh, other friends of mine introduced me to. Because some of the ones that I got that I liked was, you know, after I got introduced to Ranma, I went to Blockbuster Video of all places, and they had that little section dedicated to Japanese animation. Yep. Ladies and gentlemen, this is what it was like to be an anime fan back in the early uh, to mid-90s. It was a lot harder to find this stuff. I mean, I think you said usually comic book stores are where you would find it. Um, Blockbuster. And then, Steve, do you remember Suncoast Video? Yeah, before they went out of business. Yep. When we went to Suncoast Video to get anime, do you remember about how much of uh, the video cassette? Again, this is before DVDs became common, but video cassettes. How much should we pay for a video cassette of Ranma One Half? It was like twenty-five bucks for two episodes. Was I thought it was a little more. It was like thirty or thirty-five. But in any depend depending on where you went. Yeah, in any case, it it was it was expensive. And not only that, again, remember this is back in the early to mid nineties. Uh, you know, so we're talking like, you know, 20 plus years ago. So I'm not sure how much it would cost in inflation with inflation. But yeah, it was, there was a t-shirt I saw at Gen Con that summed it up best. Anime, drugs would be cheaper. <laughs> but, but yeah. And so continuing on before we get sidetracked on our usual rants. Again. <laughs> I said, went to block. Buster went to the anime, and basically I rented out the entire collection that they had after several weeks. <laughs> that got me interested in a few series, and got me introduced to a couple, like uh, Tenchi Muyo. That was uh, another series I got big into. Uh, El Hazard, I got into. Uh, Bubblegum Crisis was another series. Yeah, and I never, like I said, with the few exceptions I mentioned, I never got much into the uh, series. But one thing I did like, there were several movies or short series that I remember seeing that I got into. Like I mentioned Vampire Hunter D, uh, the first one. I think there's been like two or like at least one or two other Vampire Hunter D movies. But yeah, same concept, but a little different. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, and uh, with Vampire Hunter D, the first one, um, I always liked how, okay, his one of his hands had a face on it. And the face was always wisecracking and uh, making jokes. And in, in the movie, they never, they never explained the origin of the hand. But, like, one of the my favorite lines from that is, um, D falls into a cave, and while they're walking through it, there's all these skeletons, and his hand is like, fascinating place, the catacombs. It's not every day you can see the remains of a 10,000-year-old war. Too bad we're a little late for the guided tour. Mm -hmm. Yeah, another one, he's like, what would you do without me? Uh, don't answer that. 
you know, other like one shot series where it's just that one episode. Riding Bean. Oh yeah. That you want to take that one? Explain. Sure. Because uh, I know from looking at a few manga when I was into reading a lot of the manga, it's actually a spinoff of Gunsmith Cats. Where this, this is one guy, he's more like uh, a transporter. You pay him, he'll take you from point A to point B. And he had this uh, super powered up car called the Road Buster. And the uh, video was basically just one day in his life that had to deal with this situation. His people paid him to drop off this kid. And he basically did. And, of course, in the process, he uncovers this one plot. Yeah, and the Riding Bean, definitely a good one-shot uh, series. And now you mentioned Gunsmith Cats, and I believe you've uh, we talked about this years ago. Uh, how does it? How did Riding Bean tie into Gunsmith Cats? Well, I don't know how it tied in other than they were both centered in Chicago, Illinois. Which is interesting when you're dealing with Japanimation. Yeah. And actually, I was reading, I remember when I got the VHS tape for Riding Bean, there was a little booklet in there. And I think they were actually saying that most of the locations in the in the Riding Bean movie are actually real places in Chicago. Uh, I think there's like, there's a truck stop that was made up. But yeah, other than that, there's a lot of places that are you know, based on real location. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Yep. Because the concept of gunsmith cats is these two people that uh, own a gun shop. And the head one is more like a little trouble consultant that the police call in when they need no stuff about firearms. And the other one is this, she's portrays like a little girl. But she's big into explosives. Because one of them, the, the one that appeared in uh, Riding Bean, that was uh, Rally Vincent, I believe was her name. Yes. Yeah, and I'd have to say of the series that I've seen, honestly, I would have liked it if Riding Bean did actually spin off into its own series, or if it at least got a couple more movies. I Because, I don't know, like I said, Bean... The Bean Bandit, you gotta love him. Uh, like I said, very good character, funny character, uh, even, but he's an outlaw, but he's a likable outlaw. Yep. See, and then another movie that I remember borrowing from you, uh, Dagger of Kamui. Uh, There's also the same movie, but when they made it dubbed, I think they called it The Blade of Kamui. I thought it was... Which was basically the same movie, because I saw both of them. They're the same one. Just one was, you know, subtitled, and the other was dubbed. Actually, yeah, I think they... Um, I was actually reading about that uh, movie a while ago, and I think they actually they retitled it Revenge of the Ninja Warrior. And suppose I think they actually left a bunch... They left about 20 minutes of stuff out, which is maybe why I'm hesitant to, to try to see it, because... You know, even though Dagger of Kamui was actually a really, it was pretty long. I think it was like two and a half, two hours and 45 minutes. It was a pretty decent length. Yeah, it was, uh, it was 
definitely up there. And, you know, even though it was long, I personally felt the pacing of the story was good and definitely something that I would check out, especially the last fight scene when the main character, Jiro, uh, finally uh, meets his antagonist. So, again, probably one of my favorite fight scenes from Japanese animation. Yep. So, I mean, other than that, though, like I said, I haven't really watched many Japanese animation uh, movies lately. I mean, I have a subscription to Netflix, and I know they've got uh, quite a bit of Japanese animation on there. Um, so I think every now and then I'm going to consider going and just checking out something, and hopefully maybe I'll come across a series that I really like. But for, yeah. but for me, it's... Now, I know um, I may have mentioned before, but, you know, Steve and I really don't follow Japanese animation as much as we used to. Uh, what would you say your reason for that is? Yeah, pretty much uh, times have changed. Yeah. You know, that and, you know, when you get older, you got more important things that you, you got to deal with and... You know, to say anime had to go on the wayside. Yeah, same thing for me. I mean, it. I mean, I, I just don't have the time or money to spend on, you know, an episode, a, a series that you know might last a, a few dozen episodes. But cost was my main factor for getting out of anime back then. Um, you know, like I said, occasionally I would see a movie that I thought looked cool and I would pick it up. But other than that, um, yeah, just. A, you know, with the financial situation I was in the 90s, I just couldn't justify spending, you know, 30 some dollars for a videotape that only had two episodes on it. But, you know, other than that, like I said, I don't know about you, but I've had some very fond memories of anime. Uh, it's, yeah. you know, because I know lately nowadays for me, it's when I meet a co worker that's big into anime and they go to me, oh, here, you need to check out this series. So far, the only two series that I really liked after that happened to me was Black Cat and Air Gear. Fortunately, Black Cat has now ended, so that that series is done with. But the anime of Air Air, Air Gear has ended because I could, can't find no more tapes of that. But the manga of it is still going, so I'm continuing it on through that. Yeah, and I know my son, I don't know. It's a well. I think Pokemon is considered an anime. Um, yeah, it originated in Japan. Same with that Uyu Oko, that other weird card game anime. Yeah, the because I know my son, he likes Pokemon, and uh, you know he watches the series. I, you know, I don't know if this really counts. I I watch an occasional episode with him, but uh, like I said, it's not something I didn't get. I'm not into Pokemon as I was into like Ranma uh, or Robotech back in the, or Voltron back in. The so, yeah. well, uh, like I said, I, I don't have any other thoughts. Um, like I said, it, even though it's not something I really follow, it still does have some fond memories for me and does have a place in my heart. Uh, and I think you're probably, sounds like you feel about the same way. Yep. So, well, one thing I got to say as a little closing here, I know that they can't quite do a lot of TV programs and stuff, but I know that they've been doing it through the comic books at least. The latest thing I saw was this Robotech Voltron crossover. Hmm. Yeah, that sounds like it'd be interesting because, you know, in both series you have, uh, well, 
big robots fighting each other, or in the case of uh, Voltron, it was, I believe, it was mostly, uh, you know, big robots versus giant space creatures. Yep. So. So, so basically, you know, they're at least trying to keep some of the series alive, just that they can't quite put it on TV or anime programs now, but they can at least put it in the comics. Yeah, and, and comics are definitely a good medium because uh, I would imagine they're easier to produce and, you know, so they're not going to be as expensive, so it's easier to get someone, I think, into a comic book than it is a, a movie series, especially because sometimes with comic books, you know, you might have, you know, short story arcs that are strong enough to stand alone. Uh, there's a good example, like the Dark Phoenix saga, uh, from X-Men. Um, I think it was like a, you know, again, like a four is like a five, six issue series, you know, or arc, but still stands as one of the strongest and most popular stories for X-Men. So I, I personally don't have any other closing thoughts. So, uh, any other closing thoughts from you, Steve? No, I say it's time we should get going. Yep. So like I said, it's going to be a little shorter episode. And so definitely if you have uh, Netflix or if you have ever see anime on TV, check it out. Even if you don't get into a series, sometimes they do have, you know, can give you good ideas or inspiration for maybe if you're running, uh, you know, a certain type of role-playing game campaign or, hey, maybe just might find something that you find entertaining. So with that said... I'd like to say uh, thank you for listening. Again, check out POIGamestudio.com. Also, feel free to look up Point of Insanity Game Studio on Facebook. Uh, Feel free to like the page, give any comments, uh, criticisms, and have a good evening, morning, afternoon, whatever it is, wherever you are, and happy gaming. Talk to you guys later.